Hello everyone and welcome to Fathom. My name is Anizi and I'm your host. Here at Fathom, we believe that in order to lead a joy-filled and fulfilling life, one must have the courage to pursue that which they find meaningful. But how do you do that in our busy modern world where internal and external obstacles abound? Through conversations with guests who are experimenting with life and adulting relatively successfully, or courageously I should say, will bring raw and honest conversations that will hopefully add value to you, our listener. Let's dive in. Hello again, everyone. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're taking good care of yourself. Thank you once more for, you know, tuning in and listening to this podcast. Uh, it's always my pleasure and I don't get tired of saying this when I meet some of you and I hear what you've been learning and enjoying about the podcast. So thank you so much for Writing with us, um, you you know you listening to this and sharing what you learn. I think it makes this whole journey of bringing incredible people from all over the world to this podcast worthwhile. So, on that note, if you could kindly uh, go on all the platforms that you find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Anchor. And, you know, leave us a review and a written one as well, you know, so that you can share what you're learning or enjoying about the podcast uh, because it encourages others and also makes it easier for new audiences to find us. So, yeah, without further ado, you know, I'm very excited about today's guest. Um, I'm looking forward to introducing him to you, his work, his brand. Uh, so it's going to be an exciting conversation. His name is Theo Baloi, and he's the founder of Batu, a South African shoe brand that seeks to establish a brand that Africans can proudly affiliate with. The name of the brand comes from a township slang for shoes. It is an innovative brand that is of world-class standards in its quality. I will show you pictures, trust me. Uh, but Theo is a former PwC consultant who saw a gap in the market for colorful shoes and committed to establish a shoe manufacturing company. The company now has 32 brick and mortar stores and an online store which supports customers across the continent. Theo also is an All Business Leader Awards Laureate. He's a 2019 Forbes 30 Under 30 nominee. And on a very fresh note, uh, he was recently announced as 2023 Africa's Business Heroes Top 10. So I'm very eager to delve into this conversation and I hope you do too. All right, Theo, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for the invite. Yeah. How are you doing and feeling today? I'm great. Uh, I'm humbled. Yeah. A little bit fatigued. Yeah. But I'm grateful. Yeah, grateful. it's been a long week for you. Yes. <laughs> Intense. <laughs> yes. And yeah. Planning and pitching and traveling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being here. How is Kigali treating you so far? Amazing. Yeah. Um, it's my first time here. Mm -hmm. Love the hospitality. Yeah. Um, amazing infrastructure. Good. Amazing people. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely not my last time here. Oh, very good. Yeah. I hope you come back. And come back with your shoes. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, you know, get time to explore? Have you, you know, gone around? 
Yes, uh, mm. obviously uh, the last two days were intense, mm-hmm. you know, obviously preparing for the pitch. But this morning I got the the privilege of doing the the, the uh, car-free walk. The car-free day walk, yeah. Car, yeah, mm. yes, um, in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was amazing. So yeah. I got to check out the, the city, met yeah. amazing people. And I must say, you know, again, you mm. know, beautiful, amazing hospitality. Yeah. Amazing people. And yeah, mm. um, hope to see more when I come back. Yes, definitely. Yeah. I think Car Free Day is one of uh, it's one of the best days to experience the city, right? Like you're seeing the people. Mm. There are no cars, so yes. you can freely walk around and actually yeah. enjoy. Because Kigali is beautiful and you know very clean. Yeah. Uh, so it's one of those, you know, times to really immerse yourself in in the beauty of the city. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, we just talked about why you were here this week. I think for context, for people who do not know, so you were part of this year's Africa's Business Heroes competition. Uh, it's an, it is an initiative of the Jack Ma Foundation, um, and it's a very pan-African competition. You know, 54 countries send their applicants. Um, and yeah, I mean, the numbers that the competition receives are very high. Yeah. So to go from that of 20,000, uh, 27,000 people to 50 to 20 to making it to top 10, I think it's no small feat, right? You're competing against very solid and very strong businesses. So emerging as a winner, it's, it's, it's a huge, sure. it's a huge, um, accomplishment so congratulations thank you thank you yeah. very much yeah yeah what are we going to do with all the money <laughs> <laughs> look man i mean i think to your uh to your point you know mm-hmm. it's really humbling yeah. to uh, number one be recognized by such a prestige you know mm-hmm. um organization and um be to be part of the competition i mean twenty-seven thousand applicants right to top 50 mm. of amazing entrepreneurs phenomenal entrepreneurs that understand the continent mm-hmm. that have um the right solutions for our problems in the continent mm. you know um doing amazing things in the continent mm-hmm. to um go all the way to top 20 and make it to top 10. so yeah. i'm definitely duty bound to be responsible with the money mm. and to make sure that i continue and growing our value proposition mm. and making sure that I continue creating impact. So mm-hmm. definitely we're going to create more impact with yeah. the money in mm. our business. Mm. Yeah. That's very good. Oh yeah, we you know, very it's a, it's very exciting. I think I mean I watched your pitch, right? Yeah. I was sitting right there. <laughs> uh and it was one of those where people were clapping and um, you know, really are connected with the story. Yes. But I think beyond the emotional connection with the audience, I think you also you know, answered very well, you know, the judges. I mean, they get into some of these technical questions yeah. about, you know, your unit economics and yes, yeah. all the details questions. So I think, you you, the, you know, the audience kind of, you know, felt the story of, of Batu and that brand, but I think, you know, the backing of the business is also, you know, yeah. thank solid, you. So Thank you. Well done. Anyways, so as much as you don't need no further introduction, you know, outside of all the amazing things you do, who is Theo Baloi? Jeez. Am I even pronouncing it correctly? <laughs> yeah, I, no, you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say that uh, I am a product of opportunity. Okay. You know, and the reason why I say that is because I, like any other African child mm. that come from extremely humble beginnings, mm. you know, I've been awarded great opportunities that have somewhat contributed to the man that I am today, you know. Mm. But come from um, South Africa, you know, 
um, township called Alexander, Alexander mm-hmm. which is one of the most impoverished uh, township mm. townships in South Africa. However, you know, I you know was brought up by the community. Mm. You know, because in the communities we live by, we live through common values. Mm. You know, um, your neighbor is you know your your family, your friends are your your brothers. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the guy that you go to school with. You know, you need to show them equal respect mm. and always humble yourself before people. Mm. And I think that has that community has contributed to the man that I am. Mm. And I would say that I'm a product of opportunity that represents where I come from, okay. from how I carry myself and what I do and and the leader that I am. Mm. Yeah, but I'm just a young man from South Africa with big dreams. I love it. Yeah. yeah. So you're very connected, you know, to where you come from. Um, so for people who are not, you know, very familiar with maybe the house, you know, the cities of South Africa are structured. Mm-hmm. When you paint us, when you say like, you know, you come from this township, right? Sure. What is life in a township like? Like what is, um, can you paint a picture of Alexander, for yeah. example, for us? Yeah. So I always say that, that there's a lot of townships in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And obviously if you look at, the demographics and how they were structured, you know, mm. there's different tiers mm. and levels of the quality of life in depending on which township you come from. Mm. LX is one of the most impoverished and unfortunate townships because number one, it was overcrowded. Okay. So, um, and it, it was not, the, the, the infrastructure is completely different from a lot of townships, whereas mm. other townships will have the right infrastructure with standalone houses okay um secured with boundary walls mm-hmm. um which is much more controlled and these um the right levels of security and governance mm-hmm. in the township whereas with alex as a township think about it this way if i may paint a picture of a piece of land okay with as many houses as you can fit as you can fit mm-hmm. in that land and the streets are designed by people mm-hmm. literally okay. you know mm-hmm. what so i mean yeah no urban planning. yeah just, op- there yeah. was no town planning whatsoever mm-hmm. so yes obviously we have main roads mm-hmm. but as far as you know the quality of life and the infrastructure and how we mobilize mm-hmm. in a township we had to figure it out mm-hmm. and overpopulated um okay. we didn't have um, a lot of well now they are but back then we didn't have a lot of standalone houses mm-hmm. so you would find that in one big yard or piece of land there is about you know um 20 homes mm-hmm. sharing a thousand square meter piece mm-hmm. of land mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. you know the the, the size the how hu- the size of the houses are not even proportional so mm-hmm. you're almost forced like the minute you step outside your door mm-hmm. there's someone doing their own business there and doing their own thing there you share yeah we we used to share like yeah. you know uh public toilets you know yeah. we share one tap and so forth so that's the kind of township that i come mm. from but it was a township that was uh, that still has actually uh, a big ambition mm. you know the energy is amazing and because of those conditions you are almost forced and set up for greatness because mm. you gotta get out of here and you've got no chance of, of going back so you either make a choice whether you want to stay there mm. or you want to get out mm. and i think a lot of us have chosen to do something with our lives so that mm. we can get out of the township mm. yeah very interesting but then um, maybe to continue on the, your last point, I feel like, you know, people who are shaped by those kinds of conditions, 
they can end up in two very distinct places, right? Mm. Like either they shape them very positively and they're like, I never want to, you know, look back. Yeah. I'm out. Or they get swallowed by, you know, the conditions and they, they stay there. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming that's, you know, if you look around, you know, the people that you grew up with, you can sure. see people who kind of ended up in both yeah. buckets, right? Yeah. Mm. And I think that that is why for me, the, the most important thing with what we do uh, at Batu was that, you know, being a business that is of service to my community. Mm. I was, I must be honest, I was one of the lucky few that had great opportunities. Mm. Uh, I'm an accountant by profession. I had um, a scholarship with Basari, mm. 100% paid for for my tuition to to fees university. to go to university. Mm. And on top of that, I worked for one of the top accounting firms, mm. PricewaterhouseCoopers, you know, for five years, yeah. two years in South Africa, and three years in the Middle East. So mm. I was then out of the township. Mm. So then it was, you know, um, it was very easy for me to look down on the people and say, you guys are lazy and mm. you don't do anything else with your life, mm. right? And live my life and get my, get my family out. Mm. Or... I, you know, had a decision to say, I'm going to go back home mm. and try to make a difference and create impact and be of mm. service and mm. create jobs, mm. which I chose the latter. Mm. Became a crazy man, left my job to go back home mm. to say, guys, I know I'm out of here, but look, here's the vision. I've got a way of getting as many as you are out of here mm. and try to build something collectively. Mm. And I hope that I'm going to send the bus back to the township mm. and then we get out of the township and then in your own means in your own way you're going to do the same as well yeah and that's where we were i mean you know and mm. that's how we build our business mm. so we also to your question is that you also understand that it's not everyone yeah who's got the opportunities that some of us have gotten mm. so what do we do mm. do we sit and say i'm glad i'm out i'm glad i'm out it's <laughs> yeah. not my business yeah. and you guys are lazy mm. or do we actually hmm. You know, go back mm. and, and, and be socially responsible mm. and maybe to some degree be duty bound to mm. do something about it. Mm. And I chose to do that. Yeah. To say I'm not gonna be in the Emir region living a comfortable life and forget about where I come from. Mm. I'm actually gonna quit my job. Yeah. You know, to go back home and try to send the bus in the township yeah. and to reignite hope and mm. be of service. Hmm. Yeah, that's I mean that's one brave you know, inspiring, and maybe speaks to your character as a person as well, right? Because, yeah. like you said, I mean, the people who make make it out, but they don't really think about uh, going back, to, you mm. know, to help. Where do you think you got those values from to feel like I have this duty of, you know, yeah, serving my community instead of yeah. making sure that I'm fine? I think, you know, I, I had a good point of light, if I might call it, mm. from the people that I looked up to, mm-hmm. my role models, even when I was in a township, right, there was people that I looked up to. Along the way, there were people who gave me a hand, people who also sent the bus. I mean, one of the ladies that I dearly admire and forever respect is a lady called Kim, who gave me a 100% buzzery mm. at the Tomorrow Trust. Mm. And that changed my life because then I was afforded um, education. Yeah. And um, even when I got to PwC, you know, it's like almost like ABH. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's like so many applicants and then yeah. you make it to the sure. top 50, mm. to the top 10. And that top 10 then makes a difference in your life. Mm. You know what I mean? So my life has been a story of that, exactly. of such mm. opportunities. Mm. Um, then I got to be a part of the scholarship. Then I went to PwC. Then amazing opportunities, right? Then oftentimes when I went back home, when I went back to my leaders and my mentors and the people that have been a point of light in my life to express a sense of gratitude 
to say, yo, Kim, um, thank you for the opportunity and thank you for believing in me. This is a token of appreciation. That sense of gratitude was often met by one big ask. Mm. That, Theo, we don't want anything from you. You know, um, we didn't help you because we wanted you to pay us back. We helped you because we believed in you. We only have one big ask. Just pay it forward mm. in your own way. And that sort of instilled, you know, the desire to mm. to give, yeah, right? To yeah. um, and giving is rooted in receiving, mm. I think. Once you know how it feels to receive, you will forever have the desire and the intention to give. Mm. And it's in the simplest thing, in the mm. simplest things. You know, I, I made that, I was telling a friend the other day that I was traveling to Hong Kong and... You know, I was carrying my cart and I wanted coffee so bad because I can't function yeah. without coffee. Mm. And I get to uh, the coffee shop and I'm trying to pay for my coffee. And they're like, no, we don't take carts because you know, in Hong Kong, there's so many apps that they develop. Yeah, and I didn't have that. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, oh, cash. They're like, they don't take cash. You know, mm. you need to pay with an app. I'm like, oh, I don't have this app. The other guy was sitting next to me. He said, oh, you know, brother, I will pay for your coffee. Mm. And that was the best coffee that I ever received because mm. it reminded me of what it feels like to receive. Mm. Because at that moment, sure. I wanted the coffee. Mm. So it's always about the co the next coffee that you're going to buy for the next person. Mm. So I've always had those values, mm. you know, deeply rooted in me. Yeah. I can actually, I mean, I can relate to that story. I mean, there are very specific individuals in my own life sure. right, that I feel like have been that for me. And because I think they did it in a way, in a manner that is very generous and very, you know that there's really no strings attached. Yes. This person is, is trying to to help you for reasons sometimes you you don't know. You know, they they believe, you know, in who they see. Um, and I think, yeah, it leaves you with this strong sense of like, wow, it feels good to be, I don't know, believed in and seen and everything. And you, yeah, I think it kind of leaves that desire to like, okay, and I want to also do that to someone else because I know, you know, the way it feels. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I like how you say like giving is like, is strongly related to receiving. receiving. As well. You need to be the person who can also receive help, you know, to, to yeah. be able to give other people. Um, I want to hear your, I feel like when people, you know, talk to you i think they always breeze through the pwc years <laughs> yes <laughs> and they just got to back <laughs> sure uh, what was your experience with pwc like you know your consultant in yeah. this firm you know accountant sorry in yeah. this big firm you do it in you know countries outside of your own yeah mm. what were those years like pwc will forever be i think for me a true testament of what it means and what it feels like to believe mm. in your dreams mm. and go for them. Mm. Because when I got to varsity, uh, I'll tell you a little bit of a story because where I come from, um, I, I don't come from a history of people who've practiced the profession. Mm. It's always been common, you know, uh, professions like being a teacher or policeman. Mm. So generally growing mm. up, I've, I didn't know anyone who has, you know, pursued accounting mm. um, until I got to high school to study accounting. I'm like, oh, I like this. Mm. And the connotation was that accounting is a very technical subject. Mm. It's difficult. It's not everyone who can do it. But for some, so for some reason, I enjoyed it and mm. I did well. Mm. 
So I was like, I'm going to pursue this, you know, even though I don't know what, at the time, I'm still in high school, I don't know what the, that route looks like. Mm-hmm. Then I then get the buzzer and pursue it. The first time when, <laughs> actually a funny story, mm-hmm. the f- my first accounting lecture, you know, uh, my, my lecturer walked in and said, hey, obviously introduce himself, I'm going to be your accounting lecture for Accounting 101. Mm-hmm. The first question that he asked, he was like, what are the top four accounting firms in the world? Right, uh-huh. but because where I come from in in, in township, I didn't know what it what you know Deloitte yeah was, what yeah. Deloitte was you know and fem mm. you know I th- I don't know if you will relate to this but in South uh, Africa uh-huh. when you say fem we refer to a factory oh yeah uh huh true 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 like you mm. know I don't know if it's the yeah. same here but when you say fem it's like where means of production true. happens mm. so to me when they said fem I thought it's a it's a factory true. I'm like, what do they do at this firm? Do so they manufacture accounting textbooks or what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what that is, yeah. right? And then everyone raised their hand. They mentioned KPMG, Deloitte, PwC. And I'm like, Europe what are this? What are yeah. this? <laughs> then immediately I went on and had to search. Mm-hmm. And I realized that, okay, this actually, this is what they do. Audit, mm-hmm. services, consulting, mm-hmm. and taxation. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. This is what it means. And mm-hmm. when I st- researched, I actually, at the time, I think this was like around about 2008, PwC was... Number one. The firm. Yeah. So I'm like, I want to work for these guys because mm. clearly they're the best, right? Mm. And when I shared amongst my my peers at the time in accounting, they were like, no way. Like, for you to get a PwC, you need to be like a top, a, top, a top student. A plus student. They don't just mm. take anyone. And for me, that moment was like, I'm going to work for those guys. Mm. And I've never looked back. I didn't even have a desire to work for anyone else but for mm. PwC. That's how the dream started. Mm. Even though, like, you know, people didn't believe it, I made it. Yeah. And I got in PwC, mm. and I even went overseas mm. with PwC. Yeah, which is serious as well. Yeah, so that's how I started. And the experience was really amazing. And I think mm. I am a leader who believes in being of service and being inclusive. Mm. And I think PwC taught me that because I worked for amazing leaders mm. who at any given point in time would, you know, help me out, you know, um, would open their door if I didn't understand something, mm. if I've got an idea. They were always open to hear me out. Mm. And um, also my attitude was great because I was a guy who would... So normally in in professional services, you would have chargeable work and non-chargeable work. Mm. I didn't choose work. Whether work is technical or non-technical or chargeable or non-chargeable, I was a guy who always raised my hand. Mm. And I think that opened many doors for me Mm. because I was always willing. Mm. And also I worked for leaders who were very inclusive, Mm. you know, who would listen... Yeah, I really like what you said about, you know, being always willing. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've been a consultant as well. And if, if you go into it with uh, with this mindset of like, oh, if it's outside of scope, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Then you might miss out on opportunities to learn, especially mm-hmm. early in your career. I think you have to be uh, very hungry and very flexible. Yeah, which yeah. I think for you, in your case, it served you very well. Absolutely. I, you know, there's a saying that says, and I think I'm a true testament of, of that saying, that you get hired for uh, skill set, mm. but you get fired for attitude. Mm-hmm. So you might have an amazing CV and get in, mm. but with the wrong attitude, you might not make it. Mm. I, I firmly believe that I was okay. Mm. I was not like uh, <laughs> A plus, <Yeah>. exceptional <laughs> employee, but. Mm. But I had an amazing attitude mm. because um, whether it's weekends, whether it's Friday nights, whether it's Sunday mm. evenings, you know, um, uh, the, my partners and managers knew that I w- the guy. I'm always available. So mm. when opportunities came, like mm. the Emir Region 1, 
you know, they actually wanted one partner on the job, one manager on the job, um, and one senior consultant. I was a senior consultant at the time. And out of a team, I mean, I think we were about a team of total as PwC, 3,000, but the asset management team was about 800. Mm. And, you know, I had to be on wow. that top three. So that that speaks to just mm. knowing that when we take three on this project, we know it's going to show yeah. up, mm. you know? No excuses, right? Mm. No issues, no attitude, always positive, always willing to mm. show up, you know? Yeah. Um, that helps a lot. And yeah. I think it's very important as you start your career to yeah. have that. And especially today with the, the millennials, you know? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because, wow, the opinions are... <laughs> 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 Boundaries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it makes me... There was this uh, Jordan Peterson quote, I mean, with the people like him and others don't... But yeah, there's this quote he has, or, I mean, he, he writes these books in uh, rules, I yep. guess. Uh, so in his book i think it's called beyond order there's a one rule that says look for opportunities where responsibility has been abdicated mm. which is when you see something that a lot of people are not willing to do mm. and you become the person who's willing to do that mm. it can create massive opportunity for you right like Absolutely. when people know that oh everybody in the office is not willing to go overtime and yeah. you become that person who's is like oh this is an opportunity because mm. everybody's ab- abdicating responsibility here Absolutely. So, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm very glad that <laughs> you were that wise Absolutely. then. Absolutely. Um, so I was um, seconded to the EMEA region mm. and I was based in, in Dubai. And I think the beautiful thing about that tenor, you mm. know, um, was that I had a, such an amazing project mm. that actually uh, gave me more opportunities within the region because I used to travel mm. to all the, you know, region, all the okay. countries in the region. Mm. Um, s- spent some time in Saudi, you know, did Doha, nice. you know, um, mm. uh, Bahrain, mm. you know, you name them. I've, yeah. I've, I've been there. So that was a great time. And again, you know, um, it taught me a lot about um, owning up your, your heritage and being proud about your heritage and being patriotic because, you know, I have a lot of friends that are Emiratis, mm. that are that are Arabs and 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 they really really are patriotic, mm. and True. they taught me uh, the power of building your own infrastructure and ecosystem and and supporting it, mm. you know, uh, and building an economy at the same time, you know. Mm. So uh, it was an amazing experience, you know, not only professionally but just in the outlook, mm. you know, the outlook okay. that I had, you know, ac- you know, um, across the globe. Mm. And then yeah, you know, and how to do business mm. and yeah, what what we really need in Africa. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it was an exciting time. Mm. And and actually the idea of Batu was Beth when when I was in Dubai. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. That, that's yeah, I mean great exposure. Like yeah. Great global exposure. I mean I think also the way business is done there, I mean it's completely different, definitely from the way we do business in Africa. Yeah. But also the way business is done in, in even other developed countries, right? Sure. Um, but then you s- you just said that the idea of Batu was birthed there. Mm. How was it? You know, what was the inspiration? Sure, there's a number you of were things. Living large, charge, <laughs> and then not <laughs> not even. So, yeah. um, one of the most inspiring things, so that really inspired me to start Batu, was that I was actually c- coming from South Africa, but going straight to Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. 
and I had an eight-hour layover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and back then we thought airport launches and yeah. everything else. So yeah. I had to literally be at the airport, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and there was this store at the duty-free section that mm-hmm. was really busy and had food traffic. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, what's really happening in that store? So mm-hmm. let me just go check it out. When I got there, it so happened that it was actually a, f- a, a brand from France okay. that a lot of people or the French community could resonate with. Mm. And they were telling their own story. Interesting. You know? um, then on my connection flight, connecting flight to Saudi Arabia, I started asking myself that what are we doing as Africans to tell our own stories, mm. to incorporate our heritage, our culture into products and services that the rest of the world can receive. Mm. And that's how the idea of Batu started. And the reason why sneakers or shoes was because I used to buy so many pairs of sneakers. Mm. And um, end of 2015, I had a valuable collection of sneakers. Yeah. right? And I was saying, there's a saying that says, if you buy too much of something, then why not own it? Mm. Then I was like, I'm buying so many sneakers, why not just own a sneaker brand? And when I looked at that collection, I couldn't find a brand that represented Africa mm. or that came sure. from Africa. Mm. And I was like, no way, man. Mm. You know, I need to do something about this. And also remember what I mentioned, the third point about my mentors who I went to to express a sense of gratitude. They said, um, hey, Theo, we don't want anything from you. Mm. Just pay it for it in your own way. So three things. Telling a story, right, um, that, is that, that you can own right, and that is untold mm. to the rest of the world. Um, and number two, it's actually really building a brand that represents the continent because out of that collection, when I looked at that collection, I had a lot of sneakers. And when I looked closely, each and every brand represented a certain region or mm. continent in true, the world. True. But when I came to Africa, I couldn't find anything mm. else. Then I wanted to build a brand that can represent the continent. Number three, I wanted to be of service to my community because my mentor said I should pay mm, it forward true. and I wanted to pay it forward. So all of those three, th- I think those are the three main things mm. that inspired, you know, our business. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there are so many things I love about that and I love about your mission. Um, I think like in the past, you know, we've seen, let's say products, not necessarily like shoe brands, yeah. but products that have been made out of Africa, but then when we, you know, either bring them to the global market, mm. people who purchase them, they purchase them with an attitude of um, supporting, you know, such and such economy yeah. or such and such community. Um, but it's not necessarily from a sense of pride sometimes, mm. it's from a sense of doing good or helping, which is not bad. Mm. But when you are thinking about shoes and buying sneakers, this is fashion, right? Yeah. You want something that when I buy it, I'm not necessarily doing a service to Batu. Sure. I'm buying it because I love it and yeah. because it goes with, you know, my style, right? Yeah. So, like, it makes me happy that we're starting to see more and more brands. Uh, I mean, we don't have many, like, I guess, in, in, in shoes, but something that you're buying it because you can afford it, because you believe in the value mm. and the cost that's attached to it, not because you're doing it to help the company or help you know yeah so yeah so i think that's that's one of the things that I, I like about 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 that and also um that you've understood the role that brands i guess play in our lives you know um and that you want 
you know, to tap into that and, and bring this like sense of African pride, right? Like I'm wearing yeah. an amazing shoe and it's African, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. Well done on that. Uh, but yeah, so, so having an idea is one thing, but then like building a whole company and quitting your job. I mean, that's a whole, <laughs> right? I mean, we all yes. have so many things we, we want to do one day, yeah. right? So can you walk us through the journey of, um, I, I buy many sneakers. I'm mm. on this, you know, trip and I see this, you know, brand that inspires mm. me to, yeah, now yeah. you have a whole brand. Yeah, so I think my 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 time in, in the UAE, or, uh, in the Emir region was amazing, you know, mm. to a point that, you know, all the time when I would come back home, you know, to Alexander Township, um, to visit family, either it's like festive season holidays or mm. it's Easter holidays, you know, um, my life was like propelling. I was mm. like, my professional life was just propelling and taking direction. Mm. And I often joke around and say, I was actually not fired at PwC. I quit yeah. my job. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> so you can actually go ask, you know. <laughs> I decided proof. to quit my job. <laughs> yeah, there's proof. <laughs> so, um, and and oftentimes when I came back home, you know, I, I mean, I had an amazing time at PwC traveling the world. But my reality was, and as much as my life was changing, my reality was not changing. Mm. And if I may double tap on that and explain what I mean by that, is that all the time when I came back home, as soon as I drove into my community, my township, the reality will just splash in front of my eyes. Mm. I would see how people are struggling. Yeah, it hasn't really changed. It hasn't really changed. You know, mm. People are still unemployed. And mm. you park your car and you start speaking to a few people. And in, when you listen to the stories closely you realize that it's actually not because of these guys are lazy or anything. They actually have a lot of potential. Mm. But when you listen closely, you realize that it's because a lot of them haven't been given the opportunities that mm. they've been given. Mm. Right? So I felt an edge to do something about it. And mm. I didn't. I honestly did not want to be a guy who sits in an office, mm. right, and looks down on my community and say, you guys are lazy. Mm. And I, everyone has to now wait until I drive my fancy car in the township and then there's some sort of joy. Exactly. And that is not sustainable. True. I actually wanted to do something about it. And I became a crazy guy. Mm. Because I've seen it before. Where people become successful. Doing amazing things. Celebrated by probably different communities. Mm. But when they come back to their own community. Yeah. Except just giving away money that finishes in the next two days. Mm. You know, People go back to reality. And mm. the reality is that they actually don't have any hope. And they don't have any jobs. They don't mm. have any you know, um, opportunities mm. and giving money is not sustainable. Yeah. I I had a, a deeper conviction mm. that I can actually do something that's gonna be sustainable for, for, yeah. for my for my people. Mm. And 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 that desire started off by and we all have it, right? Yeah. It's like some people call it purpose, mm. some people call it tuition, mm. um, you know, uh, or intuition, sorry, mm. some people call it intuition. Uh, that inner voice, mm, that urge, that, yeah. that edge, inspiration—it's—it's mm. it's never loud. It—it mm. it whispers. Mm. It catches you when you're taking a shower. Mm -hmm. It catches you when you're driving. Mm. When w you're applying for a promotion, <laughs> and you're like, "This is not what you're supposed to exactly. be." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when you're having a drink with mates, and yeah. it just pops in. Yeah. When you you know going to buy coffee, yeah. it's never loud, mm. but you know that it's saying, mm. telling you something, and then we often shut it down. Yeah because we deem it to be crazy mm. or people are not going to believe it. People are just going to laugh at me mm. or it's not going to work. But mm. let me tell you what, um, tell you what, that 
inner voice is the voice that you need to follow. Mm. And that voice wouldn't let me go. Mm. It was like a craving. I tried to ignore it. It said, Theo, you need to go back home mm. and be of service. Mm. I'm like, no. Eh. You know, you until give all the reasons. I give yeah. all the reasons not yeah. to because I've got a comfortable exactly. job. Mm. But it got to a point whereby I couldn't resist it anymore. Mm. I knew that I had to quit my job mm. and to build this business. Wow. Mm. And I followed and I took a leap of faith, a big leap of faith. I went to my boss' office, Nils Nell. Who gave me amazing opportunities at PwC, yeah. and this was just at the beginning of mm. the year, mm. financial year when they're talking about the strategy for the business and targets for the year and so forth. Just after that meeting, yeah. I knew that. Yeah, I'm not gonna be part of this. I'm not gonna be part of yeah. this. So let me actually, and the way I looked at it was that the longer I occupied the seat, mm. the longer I de- I declined someone an opportunity, sure. because the yeah. seat that I was occupying, someone is praying for it. Mm. Somewhere out there in the That's world right. is praying <laughs> to say, I want to get a PwC and I want to be mm. a senior consultant. But because of my fears and not mm. trusting the higher power, wow. I'm denying someone an opportunity when I know very well that I need to leave. Wow. Uh, that's a word. <laughs> that's a word, right? Like, yeah, when you think about it, like, yeah, you might think like, yeah, I'm taking my time. Yeah, but you actually but, yeah, not. You, I mean, you're taking your time, but then you're also denying someone else. Someone who, else yeah, out there someone is who praying really for is well, f- you know, fitted to be in the position, wants to be there. That is their wildest dream. Yeah, they don't have other dreams. You but know? that yeah and 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 you have an inner voice that says this is the path yeah but you don't want to take the path and someone else is literally praying for the seat mm. so i needed to make a, a, a way mm-hmm. and i quit my job mm. went to nurse office and i'm like i'm gonna go back home and i start my own business mm. and it was like what um what what business? Um, mm. And it's like sneakers. Like, oh, you're going to be a reseller. Adidas and Nike. No, mm. no, no, I'm going to start my own brand. And obviously, you wished me you know, uh, well in mm. my journey, and I left. Mm. Quite ironic, because uh, a few years ago, yeah, I think it was li- late last year, he sent me a uh, LinkedIn mm. inbox oh. saying that, yo, Theo, I think you are abusing my well wishes <laughs> when I wished you well. <laughs> you, really I didn't too. wish you well. <laughs> this well, you know, it you looks like now you are just... <laughs> We know abusing it like overusing it now, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah you so took it and ran with it. Yes, yeah. yes. So I, mm-hmm. I then came back and uh, with a sole mission to build mm-hmm. a shoe brand that Africans can proudly affiliate with and to um, reignite hope and create sustainable jobs. Mm-hmm. And I must be honest, creating jobs for me, mm-hmm. it was like even if I can employ two, three people, mm-hmm. I would have paid it off. And mm-hmm. I think that inner voice would just go quiet. Mm-hmm. Little did I know that I'm creating a monster of a business, mm. you know, and mm. that's how he started. Mm. Took my savings, uh, deployed them in the business as seed capital, mm. and we build from the ground up. Wow, wow. Well, two things. I think I'll first start by making up a statistic. I feel like in the world, you know, like maybe I would say like 70%, like if we all have that like inner voice that, you know, is trying to guide us, probably only like 20% or 30% of people follow it, right? Sure. I don't know. Yeah. But I have a feeling that there's a lot more people who do not listen or who kind of shut it down forever, right? Um, and I think it's like everyone's life's quest, right? Mm-hmm. Like to really eventually have the courage, like, you know, follow their dream so i don't know i think that's a big question i've always wondered like what really 
make someone shift to the other side? Like, do you wait for like unbearable circumstances for you to finally, you know, listen or do mm. you, are yeah. you, yeah, it's one I, of those questions that I feel like it's a life, like a big life question. Yeah. I'm, I'm not an expert and yeah. I, again, you know, um, this is just my view. Um, and I think the professionals might obviously give a better view mm. because they know it better. But in my view, mm. right, and just a disclaimer, this is what I think. Mm. I think that is why we have a depressed generation. Mm. Because people are not... Because people are not authentic. Mm. People are don't want to do... They don't want to follow the inner voice. Mm. People don't want to face their reality. And there's a lot of cloud and mm. social media currents and so forth and mm. that sort of takes you away from your core mm. and you find yourself in a position whereby you know that you don't belong here mm. it's like you know when you are at the wrong house mm. but you want to stay in the house You've done so much to be in that <laughs> house <laughs> you know yeah. and that creates just mm. this depressed mm. you know generation yeah. because you know, uh, we're, we're not we disconnect with the call mm. when the call says mm. this is it, this is the journey, this is what you need to do. Mm. Your time is coming. Like we just almost want it to happen instantly, mm. and microwave success. Mm. You know, um, because people don't follow their mm. intuition, and it happens to the most of us, mm. right? Um, mm. To the most of us, I'm not saying that I've got it figured out. Mm. Exactly. Uh, even at, you know, with where I, I still sometimes you know have circumstances where I don't follow the mm. intuition mm. of whatever mm. the case might be and mm. it turns out to be that you know it's a wrong yeah. journey or it's a wrong decision mm. you know because the intuition had said that this is the way to go mm. you decided to go otherwise exactly. yeah you yeah. know and then yeah you pay for it mm. yeah so yeah and I think I mean in the beginning right I think one of the reasons I think it's challenging is because usually the the quiet voice that's calling you the path isn't necessarily as, let's say, glamorous or acceptable. So I think, yeah, I think there's some faith and courage that it usually takes to, I mean, in the case of Bathroom, now looking back, you sure. can connect the dots and be like, wow, I'm yeah. very glad I did, right? Yeah. But in the beginning, it's 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 a scary, you know, yeah. thing. Yeah, for me, so, actually, it's, yeah. it's, it's, and again, I think it's actually the opposite, right? Okay. It's like, it's like, uh, I think maybe because the, the voice was starting to become... Louder. so louder mm. i had to do it mm. but now when i look back mm. actually i'm scared now <laughs> <laughs> you're like that was crazy <laughs> i'm like that was crazy <laughs> did i just do that <laughs> you know and 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 um so uh, even my family they didn't know that i quit my job mm. because i actually told my mom that i'm back in south africa working on an audit project mm. <laughs> for 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 a corporate and um, i'm there for six months mm. So after six months, I actually went to her and I was like, Ma, uh, the last six months, how was it? Mm. Everything else is fine, right? Mm. You know, uh, I provided for you. Mm. You had your allowance. Mm. Everything was sorted, right? Mm. So everything's normal. It's like, she was like, yes. Mm. I'm like, by the way, I quit my job six months ago. Mm. So you don't have to worry because yeah. I've proven that exactly. everything will, will be fine. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, so to dig deeper into Batu, right? Yeah, so you, you just said that, yeah, you basically, you know, started very small. You used your own savings. Yes. 
yeah, then from there, I mean, from that journey of like having the initial prototype, it is yeah. you like, you know, walk us through the journey from there to yeah. where you are now. So um, when I came back, right, uh, I did a lot of research, mm. you know, about 18 months of research and development, just working on the research and trying mm. to land this business. Um, and one of the findings from my research was this, that we have about seven regions in the world and each mm. and every region has um, a fair presentation of a foodware brand, at mm. least one or two. Mm. And I couldn't find one in Africa. Mm. So <clears throat> in going to the product, we actually had to do a lot of research as to what kind of product will that should be. Mm-hmm. And at the time, there was a few trends. One was um, the suits and sneakers thing, where okay. people would wear suits with sneakers. It was mm-hmm. a big thing. Mm-hmm. And so I knew for sure that it's going to be a market. The second thing was actually colorful socks. Mm. I think they were mainly dominated mm-hmm. by a brand called Happy Socks, mm-hmm. where people would wear like, you know, bright colorful socks. Mm. And I realized that we actually need a happy shoe. Mm. So I need to oh. build a shoe that can actually, you know, be colorful, mm. you know, um, and if possible, be able to show, show your socks when you're wearing the shoe. Mm. Because oftentimes when you're wearing happy socks, you can only see socks the top. the top when yeah. you're wearing a short maybe or when you sit down and your trouser goes up a mm. little bit that's only time we can mm. so uh, the idea was to build a shoe that you can actually see the socks when you're wearing them mm. then that's when we went with the mesh edition design so mm. when we went to the manufacturers in south africa at the time you know um, mesh edition in footwear manufacturing or the mesh material is used as a component of a shoe mm. on top you know uh at the back on the side but we wanted to make the entire shoe out of mesh so they declined our state in times because no one makes shoes out of mesh. Mm. So they told us that, oh, it's not possible. Mm. Until I actually had to fly down to the factory and meet with the owner. Okay. And that's when they realized that, okay, this guy is serious. Mm. And they were so nice and kind to open, to switch on the machines for us, even though they didn't make any profit because mm. it was only 100 pairs. Mm. And then we did the mesh edition, which people loved, mm. you know, because it was sort of innovative. It had colors on the sole and so mm. forth. Um, and in a week we were back, you know, with uh, 400 pairs. Mm, and wow. in, in, in two weeks we were back again with 1,000 pairs. And the rest was history. Once we reached 1,000 pairs, you know, um, it went on to 3,000 pairs. Mm. And now today we do tens and tens and tens of thousands of mm. pairs, you know, on a monthly basis. So that's how the business started, you mm. know. And from then, from the moment when I deployed my savings at Seed Capital, and this is one thing that people don't know about Batu. Yeah, uh-huh. We have never received um, private or public equity. Really? We've never gotten funding from either private or public entities. It's fully. Fully. And to yeah. your investment and reinvestment. In. In the and how we did that, my, one might ask, is that the first two years of our business, we were actually, we didn't have stores. Mm. We were an online business. So what that allowed us to do was to build a healthy working capital because mm. we reinvested every cent, which was very critical because even when we were very profitable, mm-hmm. we took everything else that we can and reinvested in the business, mm. ran our minimal OPEX bill. Our, you know, we didn't have much capex, capex bill mm-hmm. because we were not, didn't have stores. We were not building yeah, anything. Yeah, rent rent yeah, rent yeah. So we just kept on just building mm. the business, you know, mm. uh, until year three, that's when we started opening stores, mm. you know. Oh, wow. So then we built the business from then. Mm. Yeah. And as the business is growing rapidly, I mean, how do you, how are you assembling the team? Where are you finding these people? I mean, who believe in this and are ready to come with you on this mission? The genius thing I think that we have done in our business is that, you know, um, I don't know how is it in in Rwanda, but generally in South Africa is that you will find businesses that start in the township Mm. and they die in the township. Mm -hmm. You have that one general dealer that caters for 
the entire community. Mm. Everyone buys from that general dealer. Mm. But that general dealer never scales up to be a nationwide wholesaler sure. that serves the whole country. Mm. You have um, that corner house that has a taxi business mm. in the township. Mm. Um, and as soon as the founder, the father dies, that business dies out. Mm. That business never scales to be an Uber business. Mm. So the genius that I've done at the time, even though we're sitting from the board of my car and from the township, I was intentionalized to how we're going to build the business. Mm. I was like, we are from the township, but we're not going to be a township business. Sure. We're not just going to run like a township business. Mm. We're going to corporatize this business. And in so doing, the accountant in me knew very well that corporatizing the business and scaling this business, it cannot be, mm. it cannot be a field show. Sure. My expertise might be business of expertise might be business and accounting. Therefore, in corporatizing the business, I'm going to need the right skill set in the bus, but not only in the bus, but sit, sitting in the right seat sure. in the bus so that we can move the bus forward. Mm. So we corporatized the business and we brought the right skill set mm. from our human capital, our finance team, mm. our marketing team. Mm. We've got our leaders, you know, um, all of them have about 10 plus years experience mm. in respective fields. Mm. Human capital is done by a professional who's accredited in human capital. Oh, wow. Marketing, the same story. Mm. Finance, the same mm. story. We've got qualified professionals. So that I, as the you know, CEO, I can focus on strategy and growth of the business mm. and don't have my hands you know, um, in the business. You know, um, one of the biggest takeout for this weekend, one of the judges, yeah. you know, actually Fred said this, uh, mm. If you really want to build a big business, give it away. Yeah. Don't hold it too tight to yourself. Mm. Give it to people and the right people, then you will build a big business. Mm. I think to a certain degree, you know, yes, maybe we might be still growing in Africa, mm. but in South Africa to the scale mm. is because I allowed the business to be given to other people, other to, people come to come and join mm. and let them lead mm. their respective you know, business units mm. in, in, in an effort to grow the business. Exactly. That helped a lot. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's like a powerful um, business entrepreneurship lesson, right? I mean, cause when, you, when you start something, a lot of people even use this term, like it's my baby, yeah. right? And yeah. your baby is yours, right? Like yeah. you are the one determining what happens next. Mm. Um, and I think it takes some level of vision, you know, to say like, this is my idea, but the business itself for it to stand and, and live in the world and grow, mm. it, it cannot just survive on my own, yeah. you know, mind alone, right? Yeah. Um, do you think your accounting background, because um, I mean, sometimes like the, the stereotype of accountants, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're very methodical. Yeah. Um, they are very good. But usually people don't see accountants becoming entrepreneurs, right? Sure. Because you yeah, just doing your Excel and you know, you're amazing in that, yeah. but not necessarily as nimble. How does that, you know, come out in the business, right? Mm. Do you see that as something that has been a super strength for Batu or have you had to kind of reinvent the way you think? Yeah. Just to give a bit of context. So mm. for me, uh, I had a beautiful journey, now that I think about it. And I've mm. actually never share the story a lot but mm. when i was studying for my undergrad mm. become accounting sciences second year mm. in the township um i used to sell colognes and perfumes door to door right so i think that's when the entrepreneurial bug beat me mm. and i knew for sure that i 
like this. I like mm-hmm. selling. I like you know engaging with people, and that really taught me about a lot about basics of, or, you know, basics of business mm-hmm. and how to do business and um, the pure basics basically. Mm-hmm. Um, that helped me a lot, and it had built this ambition. But I said before I pursue that, let me go get some sort of professional and corporate experience. Yes. You know, as an mm-hmm. accountant. So even when I went into the firm, mm-hmm. I didn't go in with a traditional view of being an accountant. Mm-hmm. I knew why I was there. Just absorbing information. Absorbing information. Yeah. So even some of the chats that I had with my fellow colleagues, mm-hmm. you know, I, I could, I, I, they were different and I was different. Yeah. So, because they would see things different from, from how I look at it, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I knew for sure that I would actually go back and run a business one mm-hmm. day. So the end goal was like, it was never, it was never, Make professional services no, yeah. no 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 i mm. never had that i went there to get the experience and it helped a lot so even in coming back i mean you can imagine you sitting from the boot of your car <laughs> i used to see cash hard and like hard cash on my hand every day mm. and you know i still had the discipline to say we're going to corporatize yeah. because uh, the vision was bigger you know i knew how to run a business i mean even mm. without human capital right one day you have 50 orders, next month, next is month end, you have 200 orders. And mm-hmm. because of the pressure and the volume of orders, you literally go on the street mm. and get someone to come work for you and to ha- come help you pack boxes without the right, you know, a recruitment process and without even an employment contract to say, this is the employment contract. But at the end of my mind, at the back of my mind, I knew that this is not the right way to do business. Mm. I knew that we need to corporatize and scale this business. So that helped a lot. And that, knowledge comes from my experience in corporate yeah yeah mm. because i would see how mm. you know um you know uh, the environment that i was in at pwt and mm. that helped me corporatize my mm. business so definitely it has helped mm. a lot absolutely yeah and that's like i mean it's it's, a, it's it's an advantage i think right that you would have um to other entrepreneurs who are just purely entrepreneurs yeah. you know because i think to your point yeah if you do want this to be a township business Maybe having that, you know, agile, having just that would serve you. But mm. if you want this to be like a global brand you mm. have to def- that has a certain corporate governance, I mean, Absolutely. you will have to have that 100%. You know, exposure. 100%. Uh, that's, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, your story is, 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 is very inspiring. But then, I mean, when I think about even everybody we've met this weekend, right? Everybody says... Yeah, pitching and is actually it's not the most challenging part of the job, right? <laughs> like there are, there are many other challenge, yes. challenging part of the job. So like, what has been some of the challenges, right? Like, was there like a time where you wanted to quit, or you've always said, you know what, it's challenging, but I just you know keep going. Like, walk us through some of the yeah. difficult moments of not necessarily yeah. quitting, but I think for me the. The most challenging times was when we had to go through scale because mm. of the way we started the business. And remember, it becomes a culture thing mm. because remember, I, I, I started working for Party when Party was sitting from the boot of the car. Mm. You call yourself the first employee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. And then there might be some people that started with me back then mm. and they're used to just Rocking up at my door, we're picking boxes. Mm. The next day, we move into a bigger warehouse. These people don't even have contracts. Mm. And one day, there's someone who comes and says, this is the Batu policy. 
this is the employment contract you know um i need to apply you need to apply for leave these are your leave days you know this is the system okay. that you're going to use mm-hmm. whereas previously it's like i can just call theo mm. and 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 tell them that i'm mm. i'm going to be off today you know so growing with people from the foundation and making sure that i take the people that i started with into this the corporate process. that we're building the mm. process mm. that was very challenging mm. and when you bring other professionals in the business if they don't really understand that because you're deeply rooted with two people yeah you know i i really for me it was really challenging to take everyone with and i think we've done very well mm. to make sure that we go through the transition mm. you know um and corporate us in the business mm. that was very very challenging mm. for me and you know till today it's the challenge because honestly speaking and between myself and the higher power knows this when i started the business honestly mm. before god i never wanted to be this guy mm. <laughs> i never wanted to be known mm. <laughs> i never wanted to be a guy that stop, gets stopped at the at the airport for pictures mm. i never wanted to be anyone's role model yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know oh. so sometimes it's really cuz you're just in your element and you're bump like you're pouring petrol maybe gas at the petrol station and someone comes and says oh wow you're like no i want full tank and then they go and then within a split second they come they're like yo you know you're such an inspiration can i have a picture because i didn't start it for that yeah. and i didn't start it for all the accolades i often say this that i don't spend time in the trophy room mm. and that is why i don't have a big head mm. right mm. because when i started it was never about the trophies mm. it was never about making it to such and such, such and such and being this so you know and and it's weird because when you start building a business then there's this big audience that perceives you a certain way yeah. but you're like all i wanted to do was to just pay it forward mm. you know so that was also a big tra- uh, challenge because you know you 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 also want to be a human being you just mm. want to be yourself and when you started you didn't start it because of it's not like i wanted to be known yeah you know mm. and i wanted to be so a now uh, yeah you know <laughs> and now people look at you like now that you, are, you know <laughs> so that was really challenging because yeah. even when you go back home and mm. you know the people that you grew up with then they start treating you different mm. and then and you just like chill guys i'm still the same guy and you know all of that so mm. it was a little bit of a challenge to it sort does. of accept and that's what i'm saying i think the challenge was accepting you know what but that comes with yeah the journey you're yeah, on because yeah. sometimes the audience can determine you mm. if they're saying you are an inspirational entrepreneur mm. that's how they see you yeah. right but i don't want to be inspirational i wanted mm. to be an entrepreneur that's mm. it so if i'm positioned as inspirational entrepreneur and uh, my mind is not ready to say mm. you know i am so being forced to to accept what mm. this business has positioned me to be in society yeah. was a challenge because mm. generally you know um, my friends will tell you I'm yeah. a very easy going guy yeah. mm. not complicated can tell. yeah <laughs> no I'm chill <laughs> so sometimes when you when you when you're out there yeah. people expect you know there's a certain sort of perception about you True. and you're not that mm. so that was a challenge hmm. but that's uh, how do you navigate that though right like um, accepting the responsibility that you no longer Theo Baloy, the person mm. you want to be with your own world and rules. Mm. Like, I'm Theo Baloy, the founder of Batu, mm. and that comes with such responsibility, perception. Yeah. You know, you, you're a whole different, you're no longer your own yeah. in a way. Yeah. Versus, I still want to be myself, I still want to be free. Yeah. Right? I think yeah. there's tension that I feel like a lot of people struggle with. Um, that's why sometimes, actually, when I meet celebrities, I want to be that person who. For example, before I like go on them and take a picture, I want to ask them how you know how are you? Yeah, engage I know with they, them. They they probably have that 
constant sure. struggle yeah. of yeah everybody perceives me as yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but you also can't blame them for perceiving you that way because sure. you've done something in the world for that, sure yeah. for so sure. How, how do you navigate that um i think for me i try to create that uh environment first mm. so i don't allow a certain treatment like from the day i walk mm. in like maybe if like say i walk into a building and there's a crazy mm. i'll greet him mm. a certain way that makes him see that oh he's a cool guy mm. i don't come in with shades so that it's because sometimes you can have a certain demeanor and behavior mm. that intimidates people True. so i try to ease it off so mm. that if you feel free that we have a conversation have a conversation from how i i greet the receptionist mm. how i greet the security how i walk into so i try to open it up before you know i try to break the perception mm. as much as i can True. before you know it 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 it, it creates an intense Mm. serious mm. environment type of vibe you know that's something very good to you know to learn from right you're anticipating that people are going to put you on a certain pedestal yeah and you want to do your part to like, absolutely have them not do yeah that. and it's yeah. a simple things and i think that's one thing that i got from mm. my community mm. you know and i think i also got it from um from from pwc mm. right so you engage people at their level and where mm, they want to be engaged. Sure. When I talk about basketball, mm. let's talk about basketball, mm. right? Uh, you want to talk about soccer, let's talk mm. about soccer. When I talk about business, let's talk about business. Mm. I, 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 you know, don't want to say because I'm, I'm in business, therefore the only thing that you can talk to me about is business. Yeah. So I'm a guy who will say randomly, if, even if I just met you, I talk about basketball, mm. I talk about casual stuff. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I would say that, I mean, that comes with, that's probably from a healthy sense of self as well, yeah. you know, because if you don't have that, then, and you have such a huge brand or something you can hang on, then you're going to rub, in, rub it in everyone's face, mm. right? Because you have it, you can use it to your advantage. Absolutely. You know? But if you have that, yeah, I'm still with you, but at the end of the day, yeah. right? I think it comes from a, like a healthy sense of of self outside of everything else that Absolutely. you know you've accomplished. Absolutely. So the question you were asked over and over this weekend is why we don't have the, your shoes here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> are you planning on expanding physical yeah. stores in other African cities or? Absolutely. Like, on a serious note. Yes. Yeah. No. No. For yeah. sure. For yeah. sure. Um. So yeah, we want to expand. I mean, uh, into different regions in mm-hmm. the continent and beyond. You know, uh, the continent, mm-hmm. but it's about doing it right, you mm-hmm. know, um, and doing the right market research and making sure that that aligns with our strategy, mm. you know, and trying to understand the consumer on the ground, you mm. know. Um, so we are definitely going to. And for us, because we are a very intentional business, so our strategy, you know, um, moves anything between a year or three years. So okay. we always plan ahead, you okay. know. So once I think we have like a sign off on our strategy as to which regions, when and so forth, mm then we will start communicating. Um, but we've seen a great appetite in SEDEC region, East and West Africa, mm. the EMEA region, you know, the UK as well, right? So we are working on that. Uh, once everything else is done off, then obviously we will start making the right noise mm. about it. You okay. Know? Yeah. Okay, very good. Uh, w- I mean, when you dream, you know, like where do you see, you know, Bato going? I mean, beyond, let's say, even like geographic. Mm expansion like mm. what dreams do you have for this brand right now that you you've tested it it works there's so much demand for it i mean it's growing year after year um yeah what dreams do you have for it do you see yeah. yourself designing more i don't know d- different types of shoes you know i want yeah. to hear 
I actually, my biggest dream for this business is this business out outgrowing and outliving me mm. to a point that, and when I mean outgrowing, I talk in a sense that I want to be able to rock to Rwanda and see Batu people and see a Batu billboard and ask myself, did Batu do that? Mm. Because I'm not involved. Yeah, There is a team in that region, there is executive in that region that I, whoever that, where I will be sitting, whether it's chairman or not, I will also be inspired and, you know, probably call someone and say, I want that shoe. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and say, I don't have that shoe. Can yeah. you please someone get me that shoe? Yeah. You know, to that level. Mm. And to a level of wherever I am, right, could be through PR, or could be through engagement. Someone saying to me that through maybe the Batu Foundation or through Batu, this is how my life has changed. Mm. And whether I'm reading it online or whether I'm watching it on YouTube or whether I'm engaging with someone at the conference and they come to me, they're like, yo, yeah. through your foundation, this is what I've managed to achieve for myself yeah. or through working for the business, this is what I've managed to achieve for yeah. myself or through your products, I've managed to achieve my goals in this way and because I've always been using your products. Yeah. That level of impact and reach, yeah. you know, um, if it can outgrow and outlive me in that sense, for me, that you is the big dream. Yeah, yeah. I really, uh, yeah, I love it that you want it to be bigger than yourself, and it's, so it, yeah, uh, yeah. It, yeah. I think it's, it already is in a sense, but you want it, you know, on an even bigger scale. For sure. Uh, but then talking about impact, I mean, you have uh, you have this project that you've started or initiative, you know, yeah, the Batu for Batu care project. Yeah, care project. Tell us a bit more about that. So the Batu for Batu care project uh it's a very project that is close to my heart mm. and you know again the inner voice it's for me personally my 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 thought process or my i'll call it my ethos in life is is that how, how i know that something is great and it's it's beyond trade and it's beyond just profit. a commercial thing yeah. and profit it's like literally purpose beyond profit mm. it's when it doesn't leave my heart you know this is a project that i've had from early days of Batu, and mm. I packed it, and I packed it, and I packed it, and it just didn't leave my heart. And it's a project that aims at donating one million pairs of school shoes, because we also did a thorough assessment in the market, and we knew very well that we were competing against Big Giant, mm. and we needed to be different. Mm. And, you know, our, generally, for what is going to make us win the market, it's not, it's not necessarily, yes, they're going to contribute, but it's not necessarily the people that are buying Batu today and that mm. have made Batu to be where it is. It's going to contribute in establishing the brand. Mm. But the people that are actually going to make us win the market are the people that are still in primary level. Mm. Those are the people that are going to make the Batu big. The future consumer. Mm. And a lot of brands actually don't care about the future consumer. Yeah. They you care know, about who can pay them today. Today. Yeah. Like who can buy our yeah. shoes today. Who can actually uh, mm. pay for our services today but no one thinks about who's my consumer in 10 or 15 years mm. or in 20 years mm. even so we were strategically like the people are actually going to make us win and be big mm. you know everywhere we go is the people who are at primary level the kids probably don't even know their papers their dreams but they go to school so if we go to them and, get, and walk the journey with them because our tagline says walk your journey mm. you know we want to walk the journey with everyone who's in a journey of greatness so if we go to them in primary level we give them shoes grade five, grade 10, potentially even higher education. Mm. One day when they are president and they are sitting on stock exchange listed 
companies as executives mm. and they are the black coffees of this world they are mm. they are you know Trevor Noah of this world they would know who which brand walk the journey with them True. you know and they will be mm. able to support it back mm. and and we want to give them shoes mm. and walk the journey with them mm. right and then also if you look about it even today in the current consumer if we give the child school shoes today when the mother and the parents have money to buy sneakers end of the year they will go to the very same brand because yeah. this brand takes care of us exactly. you know, throughout the years. So we're gonna go back and buy the sneakers mm. when we can, mm. you know. Yeah, I love that. Um, yeah, and, and I think it speaks to your mission when you say. Actually, I feel like <laughs> I know your mission now yeah. because you repeat it all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's close. It's like I always say this that, <laughs> and how that came about because of. Yeah. I worked for a lot of clients. I worked, I've seen a lot of businesses, but I feel like when, when business talk about their mission and their vision, it feels like it's beautifully written. Yeah. It sounds like, oh, yeah. but it's like a pure statement. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? So I, one thing I didn't want to do, I didn't want to create a mission that feels like a pure statement. Yeah. I wanted to say to live it yeah. and come back. And, to do. Yeah, yeah. When I say I want to rig that hope mm. and create sustainable jobs, mm. I mean, we've got accolades to prove it. Mm. We've got people that we've employed and we can show how we've reignited hope. Mm. It's something that we live mm. every day of our business. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, thank you. I mean, when you, yeah. So I was going to say the Batu to Batu, I mean, aligns with your mission because yeah. as much as these kids you're donating to shoes to cannot, cannot afford it, they will still affiliate with your brand mm. proudly, mm. you know? Mm. And that, in a way, still fulfills your mission even outside sure. of, you know, Absolutely. commercial terms. So, yeah, anyways. We are running out of time. Um, I really appreciate that you've spent time with me today. I mean, you you know what you have built is very, um, very inspiring. Your attitude yeah. uh, towards the whole uh, journey is is right. Yeah, like your heart is in the right place. Uh, there are so many gems that you really dropped along the way that yeah. I was like stopping and you know absorbing it. Yeah. So I really hope our audience you know have that have you know also absorbed this and captured um everything you have shared um i think i would you know as we think about closing i would ask what has all of this you know taught you uh about life and about yourself hmm. yeah like in terms of like what ultimately yeah. matters yeah about life and about myself Jeez, that's a question. <laughs> well, take your time. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think generally, uh, um, what I've learned about so far about about life, I think let's start with life. Is that, and through experiences, you know, I've I've learned that time, mm. you know, uh, it's it's very precious and mm. it's the best asset that we ever have. Mm. But I feel like a lot of us we don't use it right, mm. and in 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 different contexts. You know, oftentimes we go through challenges in life. Mm. We go through pain. Mm. We go through um, grief. We go through success. We go mm. through happiness, sadness, mm. whatever. But I realize that when you allow things to take their time, you know, mm. or through time, mm. time heals everything. Mm. Time brings a day of light. Time brings darkness. <laughs> time brings everything that mm. you can ever mm. envision. If you are in pain and you feel like you want the pain to go away, time will bring it. Mm. If you are have a vision and you want success and huge success, if you allow time, time will bring it. 
There is nothing that time cannot bring. Mm. We as human beings, we are, you know, and and in either way, even in how you use time, Mm. whether where you deploy your energy, what you get up to, you know, um, making sure that if you you focus on using time efficiently, you will see massive results. Mm. And we undermine time because we think somewhat we've got time. Right, so I think we time see, we don't see it go by. We don't see it go by. So whether you want to achieve something, it's about how you spend your time. Mm. If you are in pain, if you give it time, you will definitely mm. see a light of day. Mm. If you know you worked on something and you feel like you gave it your best shot, but it's nothing is happening. If you give time, it's gonna happen. Mm. So I think in life in general, I've learned to understand the importance of time. There is times when you're gonna spend with your loved ones, and it's only for that time. And it's once. You don't want to see them again one day. It's time. Mm. So I feel like time is everything, you know. Yeah. Um, so even when you're under immense pressure mm. for whatever reason, I mean, we were under pressure for true, true, true. for the competition <laughs> last now week. It's, it now it's passed. gone. It was yeah. just about the time. It was just like that time. If you mm. just give it time, it's only two days probably. Mm. for the, In the next seven to two hours, you would know your fate. Sure. And it's going to be, you know what I'm saying? Mm. So yes, it doesn't feel good at the time. Like, mm. you're, what's happening? I mean, t- but just 72 hours. In 72 hours, you would know. Mm. So I feel like everything else is just time. Yeah. And I think there's this Bible scripture that mm. speaks about mm. that. Mm. And I think it's powerful. And that's what life is. Mm. Right? And I'm a firm believer of that. Mm. And I think by myself, or for myself, I've learned the importance of never arrive. Mm, never arrive. Mm. You know, never let your cut down. Mm. Never relax. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? You never arrive because we make the mistake of when we are too excited again, mm. the guard, we shut down our guard. And that's, okay. the, that's where the problem starts. The bulk of your problem starts when you shut down your guard. You know? As in keep striving? Is that what you're saying? Yes, mm. because when your guard is not up, Mm. You can't sense energies. You can't sense. You can't. You don't even know the direction. Mm. You don't know if you should turn left or right, because your guard is not. Your guard will tell mm. you. It's like in the simple things, mm. you know, when you feel like you need to do something, but your guard, the inner voice says do something else. Mm. So, um, and again, you never arrive mm. because, in whatever context, there's always someone who. Is doing it better and bigger mm. <laughs> than mm. you, so you never, you never, you never f- think that you are the best in the room. Mm. Don't let it get to your head. You don't don't you let know. it get to your head. Mm. You know, uh, I think that's where, yeah, you know, and and I think for me maybe because uh, I, I come from that school of mm. humility and always humbling yourself before anyone. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's very important. Yeah. Just never arrive. You know, you see a lot of people that think that they have arrived. It. And it's actually and embar- sometimes you have signs that you might be the it. Yeah, right? like yeah, you've been and on GQ. You've been on what? You've been on GQ. Yeah, on GQ. You I got there. The, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Receiving alcoholics left <laughs> and right. Yeah, sometimes yeah. you can feel like oh yeah. Yeah, right. and we know what's embarrassing. Yeah. Like like if there, then there's someone who's been on a cover of Forbes. So it's gonna be so embarrassing when you realize that you have arrived, but the people that you have arrived to, they've actually have four times. Mm. And it's going to be in, so embarrassing the time you land on, oh, this guy that I thought, like, you know, is like, has done nothing. He's actually this person, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. is dead. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So you, for me, I think well, most important thing. you keep using old references, like, yeah, way back when I was. Yeah. 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 You know, you're not up to new things. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, and then 
the reason why I say never arrive because you don't want to be a a has been. Mm. So helpful to be a has been. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, we are almost done, but outside of what do you do in your free time? How are you? Yeah. What are you doing in Houteng? <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually outside in, of work. Yeah. yeah, I I I actually enjoy uh, spending time with fr- uh, with friends, mm. family. Um, I enjoy fast cars. Mm. You know, I once in a while when I when I can I go to the racetrack. You know, nice. so in South Africa we've got this racetrack where yeah, sponsored by a few you know mm. uh, big um, uh, car brands, and then mm. you can just go and book it. You know, mm. yeah. So I enjoy that as well. Very fun. Um, okay. Yeah, and traveling actually. Mm. I haven't done much of it, but just being mm. out of uh, Joburg. Mm. And yeah, going to a beautiful scenery yeah. out and yeah. about and seeing new places. Yeah. I enjoy that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. You are forever welcome back to Rwanda and Kigali. You know, whenever you're ready. When Thank you come you. back, please come back with shoes. We'll do. Actually, <laughs> I do need to get a, myself a pair of kalang. I don't know how it's gonna get to me, but yes. I, yeah, I need that. But yeah, Thea, once again, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, this has been phenomenal. Awesome. Thank yeah. you for the invite. Eh? Till next time, guys. I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, we are signing off. Take care and share this with as many people as you can because it's full of gems and wisdom. Uh, and in the meantime, please take care.